Hello and welcome back to Cooking Books with me, Jilly Smith, for the fifth in this special series celebrating the Andre Seymour Awards. Each week we're meeting the authors shortlisted for this prestigious food book gong, with an introduction by its food assessor, the Nigerian-born author Yemisi Arabsala. This week we're discussing Mandy Yin's book about Malaysian food, named after her Holloway Road at Laksabar, Sambal Shock. Yemisi told me what propelled her book to the shortlist. My favourite characteristic of Samba Shiok is that it comes out of the already acknowledged complex fusion of Malaysian culture. And then, you know, is re-immersed into English food culture by the very courageous use of London street food. That's quite a unique path. And then Samba Shiok, the food, is the confident patois that is created from the push and pull of all these different factors and cultures. And added in is the seasoning of Yin's and her mother's personal touch. And for me, personal touches in the form of stories are fundamental to the kind of food books that I love. So even though Yin acknowledges the, the broader Malaysian cuisine that her food emerges from, she narrows Sambal Shok's offerings to Peranakan Chinese. And Peranakans are descendants of early Chinese traders who married local Malay women. Um, also, the, the fact that the Malay word Yonya a term of respect and affection for Peranakan women of prominent social standing has come to refer to the cuisine of the Peranakans. All these merging and distinctions, they sound easy, but you know they are complicated processes that add powerful flavour to Yin's brand. I love that Yin, chef and restaurant owner and author of the book, started with that courageous harvesting of appeal on London streets, street food. My first contact with Yin's food was, you know, during one of these mi- mindless scrolls on Twitter. And it was a, a Penang Assam laksa. And all day I could think of nothing. The sight of her food just completely short-circuited my brain for the rest of the day. <laughs> and all I could think of was eating a bowl of prawn noodle soup. So, wonderful, wonderful book. Now, Mandy's on maternity leave right now. So I asked the Singaporean writer Sharon Wee, who talked to me on CTV a few months back, about her 2012 book, Growing Up in a Non-Year Kitchen, which, as a recent victim of plagiarism, shook the food world. But Sharon's hit back, and she's working on a revised version which comes out later this year. I started off by asking her the difference between the Non-Year Kitchen that she grew up in Singapore and Mandy's Malay Kitchen. So I should explain, first of all... um, the difference between Singapore and Malaysia, there, there really isn't when you think about it, because geographically, Singapore and Malaysia, once upon a time, all f- formed part of, uh, well, they were all what we call Malaya. And I am from Singapore, but in 1965, Malaysia booted us out. <laughs> so every August 9th, um, we are reminded of that. <laughs> and so so there's a lot of commonalities between Singapore and Malaysian food in the sense that um, there's a lot of spices used uh, by the Malay community. And then there's also the Chinese food uh, that came in with the immigrant Chinese. Um, and there's also the Indian um, aspect of it. So it's very multicultural. Um of course, over time, as Singapore and Malaysia are now two distinct countries, they have sort of increasingly diverged in terms of 
the names that they would call some of these dishes, we would call them differently. Um, but, you know, they were rooted all together at the same time, uh, once upon a time. And even now, there are lots of Singaporeans who have relatives in Malaysia. I mean, I have friends who were born in Malacca. And also, um, you know, their uncles or their aunts are still in Malaysia, vice versa. Yeah. And some of our most uh, famous politicians actually grew up in Malacca. So linking back to Mandy, Mandy is Puranakan. And that is evident in how she describes her father speaking Baba Malay. Her mother is from Penang. And so Mandy's book covers the three key hotspots of Peranakan food. And I, I, it resonates so much with me because Mandy also makes her memories come to life with vivid descriptions of the hawker centers, the night suppers, and the school canteen. So when I was reading that, I thought, wow, she shares a lot of the memories we both had growing up. And I also believe that Mandy's book answers a lot of the curiosity about Malaysia and to some degree Singapore food among UK readers in a way that my original book cannot. Mine was written for the Singapore audience. She's introducing Malaysian food to the UK, tailored for the UK with the right ingredients and descriptions. She used English descriptors, not the local titles for the dishes. And she goes to great lengths to show the preparations for the complicated ones. Yeah. Um, and she explains. And, and some of the ingredients that she used, for example, um, brown sugar, um, that's more accessible in, in uh, the UK market. But Really, it's up to you if you wanted to substitute that with gula malaka, yeah. which is probably what was the original ingredient. Um, it's really your choice. So Puranakan describes this particular community that are what you would call the first wave of Chinese immigrants who came to Southeast Asia, particularly in Malaysia, Singapore, Indonesia, and to some degree, Thailand. And they could have come as far back as the 1500s. Now, at that point in time, the women from China could not actually leave the country from, from what I gather in uh, reading historical books. Um, so the, the men who came, um, you know, they, they came to seek their fortune. But at the same time, they also, um, you know, married with the local women. And they thus formed a community that over time intermarried among themselves. So I do have like, you know, relatives spread far and wide and, and you realize that almost everyone is interrelated. I probably am related to Mandy at some point somehow. <laughs> um, so, so then um, we then def we, we then had our own um, form of architecture, the decorative arts, and of course, most famous of all is the cuisine. Now, when you talk about Puranakans, um, there are two other terms associated with that. Babas, and the babas refer to the men, not uncles or or, you know, babas can be little boys, can be um, older boys, uh, older men, okay? And nonias refer to the women. And that's a derivative of uh, the Portuguese word donia. 
So Baba, as we all know, culturally, lots of different cultures, they call their fathers Baba. Um, and then Nonyas, in that same way, it refers to the women folk. When you're reading Mandy's book, what of the Nonya food do you kind of resonate with? Almost everything, because Mandy has done a really good job describing the habits within a Peranakan household. Um, and and just by the way that she's written it, you can you can really see that she really did grow up in this very rich cultural context that um, I recognize. Um, so, you know, from, from the way she's describing how she ate at home, the kind of food that was served on the table, um, you know, th- th- those things I, I can connect with. You're absolutely right. It's, it's a cuisine of high culture. And I suppose what I picked up from when we talked about your book, it was all about feasts. It was about uh, celebration. It's about pulling out all the stops and being a bit showy, I suppose, it, because it is about showing off how, how well to do you are, isn't it? Is that one of the bedrocks of Nonya cuisine? In my book, I tend to elaborate on it a little bit more um, in, in one particular chapter about the Lunar New Year. Um, with Man- or Chinese New Year. Um, with Mandy's book, I think it's more about everyday food. So, for example, laksa, we would have had it, let's say, on a Sunday afternoon, right? Um, and she's also covered some of the very quintessential nonia desserts, like bubo cha cha and um, rumpa udang, but she has described that in English. So it took a while for me to recognize them until I saw the photographs. And I go, oh yeah, okay, this is Rumpa Udang and that's Bubu Cha Cha. Um, so she's, she's done a good job in doing that. And an example of that Lunar New Year feast, the, the Prosperity Toss Fish Salad, something that you all do for the 15 days of the New Year. Now, tell me what happened when you read that one and why you chose that as your first food moment. It has become very popular in Singapore and Malaysia. But interestingly enough, we did not grow up eating that. It was um, a dish that was um, actually popularized by some of the more famous chefs in Singapore, in in my case, in Singapore. And I believe it was also created in Malaysia um, even earlier than that. So it's not something that you would have concocted at home. And throughout the 15 days, a lot of these restaurants would have um, this raw fish. We call them the raw fish salad. And it, it's like an icebreaker. You know, you, you have it as an appetizer before the main meals come, or the main dishes come. And then you toss it and there's a lot of uh, symbol, uh, sim- symbols with it, you know. Um, so it's become really fun, something something quite interesting to do, quite fun to do. The thing is, what, what's been difficult is that not many people have actually documented this recipe outside of the restaurants. And so Mandy that's quite did. a rare find. It is a rare find. Um, I mean, you have, um, 
it's not like we eat that every every day for the 15 days but you know when we go out for dinner and we hang out with friends you could be tossing it at an office lunch across the table from your office enemy <laughs> or you know or you know in-laws or something so so it's a fun thing to do and Mandy actually does list this and and that's that's been fun for me to to finally see that recipe in a cookbook yeah, and that and to then go on to your second food moment, which is the Penang Assam laksa. I mean, that is what everybody associates probably with Malaysian food. And you know, Yevasi was saying that when she first saw this on Twitter, she said that she 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 just couldn't think of anything else all day. It literally spoke to her. It also spoke to. Jay Rayner uh, and Grace Dent and Giles Corrin and was really the thing that that really launched her restaurant. I mean, within three weeks um, of her opening, she had queues around the block because of what Jay Rayner said about her laxa. What did you think about her laxa? Well, Mandy has listed two different laksas. There is the one that's coconut based, which I grew up eating, um, which is the southern version which you would find in Malacca and Singapore. And I think that's, that's the one that's made her famous. However, Mandy has also included the Penang Asam Laksa, um, which I guess, you know, is because her mother um, grew up in Penang. Now, the Penang Asam Laksa is different and it's reflective of the fact that it's from the northern part of Malaysia, where it's closer to Thailand. So it's more of a fish-based broth. And it's got tamarind, it's got a sour tang, and it's got um, minced leaves. So I grew up um, eating that from time to time. It was my mother and my, uh, our favorite laksa. <laughs> and uh, I would have been tempted to actually include that in my new uh, revised cookbook. Maybe I Ooh. would. <laughs> but, um, because I really like it. And, and you know what? To this day, I always fondly think of the flavors, you know, the, the tangy flavor. I think I, I, I need to on my next trip go to Sambal Shok just to try that Penang Asam Laksa. <laughs> I think you have to. I'll, I'll meet you there. Um, tell me about the, the essential Malaysian spices. Now, as you know, I spent I spent the first three years of my life in Penang and Ipoh. Um, my father was based there in, as an army officer. And my parents were absolutely fascinated with Malaysian food. Throughout my whole life, my parents were playing around with this particular recipe uh, that they picked up while they were there. Um, but it was based on the essential Malaysian spices, which are known as the four siblings or the the four friends. And Mandy actually refers to it as the four friends. And clove, really important, cardamom, uh, cinnamon and star anise. And these are the four particular flavours that my parents would put into this curry. Those are the dry spices. You then put the wet spices of fresh chilies and ginger and shallots um, and garlic with it. Plus tamarind and turmeric and stem ginger. And I was looking through the whole book to try and find my parents' curry. And, and I actually found it. It's the red Malay curry. Um, and I'm so excited about this. I can't wait to make it this weekend. What is different about those four flavours to the food that you grew up with? The Nonya curry that I had um, was probably more, um, what would they, they would say, lamak. Lamak meaning, you know, a lot more coconutty in that sense. Um, it was more of a yellowish tinge than it would have been red. 
because there was uh, turmeric. But let's not forget that um, for the most part, the curry that I grew up with was um, cooked from a curry powder. Whereas as ayam masak mira, which is the red curry, I would think came with um, you know spices from the ground up, right? I mean, it's all yeah, um, you 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 get Essential. the different uh, types of fresh ingredients and dry ingredients, and you yeah. blend it all together. So. Which creates those layers, and that's the most important. And that's what Mandy does talk about: the difference between, you know, really great Asian cooking is the layers of mm-hmm. flavor, right? And and that's why um, the very distinct thing about any recipe in this context of Malaysia, Singapore, is that it's very individualistic. The kind of food that we're talking about, you know, the laxas and the. Uh, the curries, to a certain extent, they would be found in the hawker's centres. Of course they would. Your third food moment takes us to the hawker's centres that, that Mandy talks about. Tell us, uh, tell people who've never been to a hawker's centre why they absolutely have to do that. There were two things that Mandy describes in her book, which I really enjoyed reading. The first one was about the hawker's centres and all that... Um, mix of sounds and sights and smell. Um, and the other one is about the nighttime pasamalam, the nighttime market. Now that is increasingly, the second one, the night market, is increasingly hard to find in Singapore. And if you do have that now, it's a lot more contrived. Um, so the, the thing I liked about it was, I've actually been to the one that Mandy describes in her book, uh, the night market was a highlight of my growing up in the 70s as well. It disappeared in Singapore. So when I went to Malaysia and I went to this market in the 90s, uh, I was really excited because they talk about the the, the kropo, you know, you find them and all the little snacks, etc. And and um, she describes this thing called the stir-fried carrot cake. Um, and she actually has the two versions, right? The white version, the black version. And, and I remember it going to my own uh, wet market on Sundays. My sisters would probably bully me and make me go (laughs) and get all these little packets to bring back for breakfast, right? Um, And we liked ours with more egg or, you know, more dark sauce. Um, And and so so that was something that I really enjoyed reading. The other one about the hawker centres, that's very prevalent in both Singapore and Malaysia. And there is a famous one uh, that she describes called SS2 Market, which I did ask a Malaysian friend of mine um, to read because I gave him a book. I gave him Sambal Shok for his birthday. And I said, can you read? Um, And he said, you know, I recognize SS2. Mandy uh, describes it so well in a sense that I, I had the same experiences as she did. So SS2 you know, was something that they both had that experience, similar, similar experience. Um, for me, hawker centers in Singapore are, are this, the same thing. You know, you, you have all these little stalls with um, whether it's chicken rice or laksa or mee siam or, you know, like the what they call the economy rice. Um, it's, it's something that we all, it's, it's part of our daily living, you know, like yeah. if if you need to get a takeout or you just want a quick meal, you go to the Hawker Centre. The other aspect that Mandy wrote um, was about the midnight suppers. 
And and that is the one thing when when they talk about New York City, the city that never sleeps, they have never been to Malaysia or Singapore because <laughs> you know um, I can't find food at four a.m. in New York, let alone get mugged. But you know, in Singapore, <laughs> but in Singapore, Malaysia, particularly in Malaysia, I would think you can go at. Let's say two a.m. after you've watched a、uh, football game on TV to get your roti canai. They call it roti canai in Malaysia. We call it roti prata in Singapore.、Um, you can get your matabak, and you can share, you know, a plate of noodles and、um, some beer or some,、um, you know, like Milo or something, and and. Really have a good time snacking with your friends,、yeah. and and that's something that I really enjoyed reading in the book too. Yeah, it really comes to life, isn't it? Because it is a fusion of all those different、mm-hmm. cultures. You you know you have the Indian, little India, you know, right next to little Penang, little, but all the rest of it, and it all comes together. Your last food moment is the fu- food itinerary right at the back of the book to Penang and Malacca. I mean, when you go back. Will you will you actually take the book and kind of work your way through these wonderful places that she suggests? <laughs> I certainly will. Well, first and foremost, I'll probably snap photos of <laughs> the book and not bring it home. But I thought this was a brilliant, brilliant、um, feature of her book because if you ask any Singaporean why they would visit Malaysia, apart from visiting family, for example, they would. Love to go to Malaysia for food and shopping, and、um, when I told my friends before COVID that I was going to visit Penang, I got pages and pages of, oh, you got to try this, you got to go there, you got to eat this, yeah. And so when I got to Penang, I went crazy, <laughs> and I brought my two kids, and we both,、uh, all three of us, sorry, we 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 went there, and I force fed. All the food that I could get at this coffee shop because、um, they were the dishes that I grew up with, and my kids were—they almost cried because they could not humanly possibly eat everything that I had ordered. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, "Mommy, we ordered too much, mommy." But、um, and 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 some of these、um, restaurants that Mandy writes about in her book. Or list them out in her book,、uh, similar to the ones that my friends have recommended to me as well in Penang and in Malacca. Yeah, you're just finishing your revised version of your 2012 book. Did you learn anything、um, about the way that Mandy talks about Nonya food? Did it bring it up to date for you, or is it just a real sort of confirmation of everything that you knew? First and foremost, I truly admire the fact that、um, she writes it. For her British audience in mind,、um, it's a huge challenge for me because you know, ten years ago when I came up with this book, it was really for a very different audience altogether. It was for the Singaporeans, and let's say Singaporeans who might have left the country would have, you know, been able to connect with the book because they they grew up and they knew what I was talking about. But if it's someone who has never visited Singapore, let alone try Singaporean Malaysian food, they would look at it and go like, "Wait a minute, what is this? And how do I wrap that?" And so I think Mandy's done a really great job with the f- photos of、um, how to wrap certain things and the step by step, which I-, I am actually 
wondering how how best to incorporate that into my book too. Um, she also does a very clear. Uh, vivid description of the sights and sounds, um, and gives you a great orientation about where she grew up, what kind of food, and um, I think I need to really apply uh, bits of that into my book if it's meant for a wider audience. Yes. So, in that sense, you know, she's my role model at this point. <laughs> Well, absolutely. But, you know, as with all the best books, and we are talking about supposedly the best food books of 2021, they are about stories and they are about their unique contribution, as Yemisee said, to the canon, to, to the field. Hers is very personal, isn't it? You can hear the stories from her kitchen. That's what you really, really want in a book, isn't it? I think what I really enjoyed reading about Mandy's experiences was how similar it was to mine. Um, I would think that, you know, I'm probably a generation or half a generation older than she is. Uh, but, you know, things haven't changed much, right? In, in that kind of family context where um, your, your father speaks Baba Malay and your mother is cooking, and then, you know, the kitchen smells are probably the same. And the food that's on the table and the rice that we eat, she probably eats with a fork and spoon uh, like I did. Um, you know, and then, you know, she's got family in Malacca and family in Penang. And I have family in Singapore. But I think if we went to our relatives' kitchens, they would, it would be the same experience, right? Like they'll be saying like, uh, Adabai, you know, you know, and then they'll talk about, you know, their day and they're talking about their food and the uh, prawns and the pineapple gravy or uh, they're talking about the desserts that they're getting from somewhere. Um, so that's why I really, you know, increasingly as I keep reading this book, um, it just triggers a lot of memory for me. Um, and, and it's not just the Peranakan aspect of it. It's also just the context of where she grew up in Malaysia. And then for me in Singapore, you know, like the night market, the hawker center, the, the smells, and it, it all comes through. You, you can sort of feel the excitement in how she describes. And she's so proud to be Malaysian. And, and at one point in time, the Peranakan culture was thought to be dying. And I am so thrilled that with books like Mandy's and mine, we are bringing it back to life. And when you go back to Singapore or Malaysia, you see books like that, but not in the international arena. So Mandy's, in a way, is so groundbreaking because it's introducing uh, the world to this really beautiful culture that not many would have been very familiar with. Thanks for listening. Please do get in touch on social media. I'm at Cooking the Books with Jilly Smith on Instagram and at Jilly Smith on Twitter. And sign up for my newsletter at jillysmith.com to find out about the Cooking the Books Supper Club at my house. And I'll be back next week with Yasmin Khan to discuss the next book on the Andre Simon shortlist, Ripe Fix.